The Braves handle their toughest homestand of the season. This is going to be a rough sled in here for seven days, and we survived it. We did really good. But the vibes are not all positive. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano. And by the time you're hearing this, he will be in Pittsburgh getting ready for the Braves next series. But first things first, we have a ton to talk about this week. There is a lot. I mean, from Mike Soroka's rehab appearance debut to his second rehab appearance to Michael Harris's extension to the Marcel Ozuna situation. It was a packed week. And oh, yeah, they played seven games against two great teams. And with so much to discuss, our former Braves beat reporter Gabe Burns is back with us, now handling features. Glad to have you back on the podcast, sir. Yeah, always glad to uh, talk some baseball with you guys. All right, coming up, we will dig into how the Braves got back in the NL East race and took another series from the Astros, plus why Marcelo Zuna was in the Braves lineup on Sunday after another arrest. We'll also discuss what it took to lock up Michael Harris, what could, who could be next, what to make of Mike Soroka's return to the mound, and your questions for the gang in our Ask Justin segment. If this is your first time listening to the show, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The Braves Report for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, we start this show actually a little off format because we have a, a quick Ask Justin preview here. This comes from Jake Keys who asked, um, have you tried out the new ice cream machine yet? <laughs> no, that's, uh, that is in the part of the clubhouse that is uh, restricted to media. Uh, Gabe, was the same treatment provided to the working press? Is there a new ice cream machine in the press box? Uh, no, there isn't, but, um, you know, unless it's vegan ice cream or something, I don't think I can have it anyway. So I guess I'm one of the few people it makes no difference to me. <laughs> That's how many, pre- how many ice cream machines are there in press boxes around the majors? I mean, okay, there's City Field, Lone Depot Park in Miami, Dodger Stadium, Philly Philly gives out ice cream though not via machine, uh, but the, but I think I mean I think the Braves' biggest offseason priority needs to be an ice cream machine in the press box. Yes, but we know you did not come to this podcast for press box ice cream analysis. We'll do that in the offseason, uh, but uh, we obviously have have a significant amount of, of Braves wins to discuss here. And and Gabe Justin and I talked on last week's show and and, and dug into why the Braves had only won three series against playoff contenders this year. And, and we saw a pretty strong response to that statistic this week, where now they have taken two more. Yeah, no, I mean, this was, look, I mean, Sunday was a dud, but it was a good week for them. I mean, they outscored the Mets, what, 28 to 12? You take three out of four from a team that hadn't lost a divisional series the whole year. I think that was big, you know, mentally. This is a pretty mentally tough team, but, you know, it's always nice when, obviously, you win a division against a team that you haven't won or you win a series against a divisional opponent that you haven't really beaten this year. And then going up against the Astros and obviously the thriller Saturday night, what a win that was. Those were kind of those are kind of the wins that we're accustomed to this team finding. So yeah, look, this was 
on paper the most difficult homestand of the season. It was it was widely successful regardless of today. So they need to keep it up. Pittsburgh, you should clean up well there. And then St. Louis, that's going to be a really interesting series. That Cardinals team is starting to build some distance there in the NL Central. So I, I and you look at the rest of the schedule. The Braves are in great shape. This was easily their kind of toughest run right here, and and they passed that test pretty well. Yeah, and I think save for. Um... If I'm thinking correctly, save for Jake Odorizzi on Wednesday against the Mets, the Braves received better starting pitching performances the last time through. Um, and, and that was, I think that was the main thing we saw against the Mets. That, and then they didn't strike out a lot. And obviously they had some help with Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker's injuries. But even to that point, they damaged Carrasco. And then I think they really showed um, kind of the cracks in, in New York in this matchup, at least, is if you... If New York starters don't go seven strong innings of, you know, one or two runs, like the Braves are going to have a very good chance to beat up on that bullpen. And then we saw, you know, with Houston, like sort of the same thing, like the Braves are feasting on opposing bullpens. And I think um, they're allowed to do that because their starting pitching was a lot better this time around. But I know Michael Harris mentioned changing the approach against the Mets and, you know, after a lot of strikeouts in that previous series in Queens and trying to put the bat on the ball more. Uh, tweaking a couple things and we we saw a lot better um all around play by the Braves but one thing for me was just the starting pitching was great here's how it went from Matt Olson's perspective it's like good to find these different ways to win um which we've done this homestand a bunch uh you know we had what three hits through nine today and then uh you know, they, they come out, score a couple, and we find a way to, to you know, scratch and claw and, and win. Um, it's just good when you when you feel like you're in every game, uh, regardless of, you know, however it's going or the feeling uh, is currently in the game. And, uh, yeah, that's what good teams do. And Brian Snicker? You know, I was looking at this homestand a week ago tonight when we got in thinking, man, this is going to be a rough sled in here for seven days. And we survived it. We did really good. Guys kept back. I mean, you know, we put ourselves in position to win a tough game today, too, after getting down. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy with how we responded to the seven games that we just played. Gabe Braves won 11 of their last 13 now, despite Sunday's loss. Biggest improvement you've seen from now going back to the previous series against the Mets in New York? Yeah, I think Justin really laid that out well. Uh, it's just the well-roundedness. I mean, yeah, of course, you point to starting pitching. You know, most of the time it begins there. But it's just the well-roundedness of this team. And, look, Vaughn Grissom was on base every game of this homestand. He had uh, he had a hit in six of the seven games, and he walked in the other one. Uh, he's been – I mean, he's been an instant plus for them, uh, to state the obvious. And you have a, a guy that you weren't banking on uh, in Michael Harris who has cemented – and we're going to get more into him, of course. He's going to be manning center field for a long time here. But you've got guys that are just really have stepped up. Robbie Grossman has stepped up. The depth on this team looks better. There's, there's a guy we're also going to get into who doesn't really help their depth at all. But good thing you have Robbie Grossman playing better. And, and there's, there's lots of reasons to be optimistic about this team. There's reasons the starting pitching, the depth, the bullpen, although, you know, Dylan Lee here – we're going to, you know, we'll kind of see a little bit more about the bullpen, but your your big guys are fine. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's a well, it's a well-rounded thing. It starts with starting pitching and there there's just there's a lot of reason for optimism with the way this team is playing. Charlie Morton is certainly back up to his top level. It's pretty good. I mean, he just keeps going. I mean, it's just like the you know, 
know, stuff and the knack of throwing that curveball is going to keep you. He can pitch probably to 60 with that thing. Morton now is on pace to break 200 strikeouts. He's got his ERA black below four for the first time since the first series of the season. Justin, how do you feel like the rotation is stacking up as we get closer to October? Much better than I felt about a month ago. Uh, we knew these guys were talented, but let's start from the back end. Um, filling that fifth spot with Spencer Strider back in late May has changed the entire complexion of the rotation and, you know, by association, this team. Uh, having him there. And then you go, like, to a guy like Charlie. And he's been much better. Like you said, ERA under four now. Um, and the strikeouts are going to be there. The hitters are reacting to his pitches in a lot more favorable way for, you know, the Braves. You know, he's got that fastball working, that curveball working. Um, like Brian Snicker said, that curveball is always going to be there. But it, it's more so him figuring that stuff out. He didn't know why it was getting crushed earlier in the year. Now it looks like it's back. And then, you know, you have Kyle Wright in his breakout season, Max Freed, and, and he's kind of headed towards stardom um, and, and being one of the game's best pitchers. It looks a lot better on paper than it once did. Uh, do they have Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom? No. Like, do the Dodgers have a better rotation? Like, yeah, maybe. But it's like, these guys, this is a good group of five guys right now. Um, the issue right now being Odorizzi and whether he can turn it around. But I feel a lot more comfortable with the Braves' um, starting rotation than I did maybe, you know, a month ago. And part of that's just because they have such a good bullpen. We've seen some cracks in that bullpen recently, but I think they've got the back-end guys to where if they can shorten games, you know, a little bit, um, and the starters can provide them a little length, they're going to be fine. Like, uh, come playoff time, we know it starts with starting pitching, but... Their offense is so good that they don't need guys to throw up, you know, no hitters or throw up zeros for eight innings. I mean, the you know, they just need a quality start each night. You know, each of the five guys ready to put that, you know, capable of putting that up. We'll just see if Odorizzi can turn it around. But then again, you've got Anderson down in AAA. As for that bounce back series against the Mets. Doesn't surprise me that these guys do that. I've seen them do it a lot over the years. And, and uh, you know, it was just, it was, that was one of them weekends. I mean, it was just. Nothing kind of went our way, and they played really well, and we didn't. And um, now in this series, we played pretty well, you know, in this series. So you just never, yeah, it's baseball. You never know what's going to happen or when something good's going to start. And um, so it's, it's, it's a good series. It's like a playoff series. Gabe, did this week change anything to you about who the favorites are in the East? No, um, because the Mets were not going to just run the table against the NL East and they weren't going to run the table against the Braves when it came to series. So, no, I mean, I definitely still think that the Mets are favored. Uh, at this point, I would still probably bet on the Mets, but this is close enough. I mean, this is going to come down to the final week. So, I mean, the Braves could easily pull this thing out. Again, it's just a testament to the Braves' infrastructure. We know that they were 10 back at some point. It's been really impressive, the scorching run that they've been on. Really, I mean, the slow start is the only difference between the Braves and Mets now. So the Mets have their own issues that they're dealing with. I mean, it's going to come down to the wire either way. But certainly if you're a Braves fan, I mean, you should feel really encouraged by you know, going out and taking it to them the way they did. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. 
we lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger. And all right, parents, this is your final reminder. If you're looking for a fun learning opportunity for your kid, try Kroger Chef Junior. Come join your local Kroger Chef for a guided kids' cooking experience making a fruit pizza on August 27th at select Kroger locations. Each Kroger Chef Junior is a 30-minute class where your kid receives an apron, a patch, a chef's hat, recipe card and box, and a pizza cutter for only $7 per child. Register for your time period today at KrogerChefJr.com. That is KrogerChefJr, all one word, dot com. All right, now that was all. That was some of the good that's happened for the Braves this week. <laughs> this is the one glaring negative. So it is. You're good. I'm off school. Oh, Norcross Police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Ozuna from the Braves. Sorry, my dog. That's Ozuna from the Braves. Marcelo Ozuna's second trip to jail in the last two years. You got anything to drink tonight? No. No alcohol. You know, you, you know, I'm, I'm fighting, my man. You good? Who, just, who's riding with you? Yeah. Who's in the car with you? My guy. All right. So you been you drinking? Me? No. So I can smell alcohol in the car. Really? Yeah. No. You had anything to drink tonight? Yeah, but. All right. I'm what, fine. What'd you have? Yeah. What have you had to drink? Just beer, a couple beers. Yeah. You no, know, we we win today, and we just. That's the police body cam footage obtained from Norcross by the AJC when Ozuna was arrested for DUI. He had nothing to do with any of the wins this week, but he did start on Sunday. Here's Brian Snicker explaining the decision. I didn't want Eddie with his hamstring to play. Ronald was going to DH, so we got to play somebody and left. And and um, I told Marcel, I mean, it's like, you know, he's part of this team. He, he, he's going to play left field. I, had, I thought he would go out, you know, and, and then right-handers that had a little success off the, the starter. So that's that's it. He's on this team. He needs the help. And here's what Ozuna said about those boos. He's going to motivate uh, Just uh, don't don't listen to what they say and kind of keep my head up and do it the best. Yeah, if you were there, Braves fans, let him have it. Yeah, he was booed during uh, player introductions. Uh, he was booed before his two at-bats, and he was booed after he just – embarrassed himself at the plate and both of them struck out uh yeah i mean no he didn't help him win he hasn't helped him win much since 2020 uh for all the good that alex has done since he's been here and for all the moves that the braves have hit on this is a clear miss uh his on-field performance uh has been bad the off-field has obviously been worse and you know Fans are going to react. I mean, if he was hitting, it'd be a different story probably for some people. I mean, that's just the reality of it. If he was playing well, there's fewer people who are going to be inclined to boo. But what, uh, you know, even even that quote, you know, I tweeted that quote out and already, you know, people are reacting to it accordingly, um, calling him tone deaf and whatnot to even use the word motivating uh, regarding the boos. So, I mean, I think it's, a, it's, it's an awful situation. Uh, Snip put him out there. He explained the reasoning for it. Uh, he's not helping this team win. He's clearly uh, on the field. He's not in a place that he's going to help them win. So, you know, Justin's the beat writer. So uh, I'm going to pass it to him to kind of get into some of the details about this. But obviously he's a guy that I think we would all be surprised if he has a – a long-term future in Atlanta and it's just it's a signing that simply just has not worked out has not worked out 
uh, and it was a big swing and miss, like like what we saw from him today. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, that was certainly um, the worst possible news to wake up to if you were a member of the Braves front office, coaching staff, clubhouse, or a fan. Um, you know, because you have a guy who already isn't hitting and isn't helping you win, has lost his starting job, and then he is out um, in the wee hours of the morning, a little past the wee hours of the morning, actually, and is arrested and charged with driving under the influence. Um, as Gabe mentioned, a second arrest in 15 months. Um, and day by day, this contract looks worse. And when we look at Alex Anthopoulos' tenure we need to judge it by the whole body of work. And the body of work strongly points to an A+. But the fact in baseball is that no GM, you know, or president of baseball operations, no decision maker ever gets it 100% right. Uh, and right now for Alex, this is that 2%. That's that 2% that's, um, that, you know, is just a miss, like Gabe said. Uh, the more surprising part for me was that he played today on Sunday. Um, I think that came as a surprise because if you read the team's statement, they said they would have no further comment on the matter uh, until the legal process um, were complete. Some people were surprised to see Ozuna, and I'm talking fans, in the clubhouse Friday to even make a, what amounted to a 17-second statement uh, in front of his locker to reporters. He didn't take questions. Um, and it puts manager Brian Snicker in... A weird position because he effectively if he doesn't play Ozuna is effectively playing with 25 players which 11 innings on Saturday a day game on Sunday you can kind of do the math and hours between the games and the quick turnaround um, like you mentioned kind of keeping guys off their feet keeping guys healthy but this is an issue that I thought and maybe this is me being naive but thought would be handled before we ever saw him see the field again um, and there are a few avenues that the Braves could take. One is just simply keeping him. Like, teams hate to eat the money. Like, they hate to eat the money unless they're so, so sure that somebody's a sunk cost. Ozuna is about as close, you know, as you can say to, to dead weight on this roster because this is a very good team. But he has hit 20 home runs. Maybe there's something there. That probably factors in the decision that when this guy gets going and gets hot, if he ever gets to be that way again, his 2020 form again, that he does provide you value as a designated hitter. Um, then you can, you know, you can release him. But in people, you know, from conversations I've had with people throughout the game, it, the Braves could not recoup any of the money. They would be eating, if they released him now, over $41 million uh, throughout the rest of the contract. He's owed $18 million next year and $18 million in 2024, and then has the $1 million buyout in 2025. Um, so it, it wouldn't, you couldn't, if you were the Braves, you couldn't just not pay him because it would certainly come with a grievance. Uh, and those are very hard for teams to win because the Major League Baseball Players Association is very strong. Uh, and the union would be backing Ozuna, you know, for a grievance with an independent arbiter. One interesting, one, somebody, you know, in the game told me um, kind of an interesting um, scenario is if they could somehow get a little more value out of Ozuna this year, they could potentially trade him in the offseason. Um, but they would be lowballed. They would have to give something up. It would not be a trade where, 
you know, Anthopolis, who by all means has a great track record with trades. Uh, he probably wouldn't quote unquote win this one, but he may be able to get another team to take some of the money off of Atlanta's hands. Um, and the Braves could pay some of it and would have to give something up, but they could pay even the majority of it to get him off the roster. But I, I'm, you know, the likeliest outcome seemed like they would just release him because you look at the guy, a guy who has, and I don't want to go on and on here, but who has been arrested twice in 15 months. Uh, he's not providing much to your team. He has lost his starting job. You have said your, you know, the Braves have said their payroll will continue to rise and has continued, you know, to rise. Uh, they've signed these big extensions. You think they could afford to just eat this guy's salary because he's not really helping them in any way right now. And he had already lost his starting job. He doesn't provide you any value defensively um, because of limitations there. I think there are a few avenues. The likeliest one seemed like they would just, you know, release him. It, it almost is surprising to see him hit the field today. Gabe, how do we get here? Because obviously the COVID year was a weird year all the way around. But he was one of the best players in baseball. Now he's one of the worst. Yeah, he's great in the 60-game season. We've obviously we've seen him play well before. He's he was you know he's a proven he was a proven player to an extent. And if you remember, you know he hit the market. There were kind of parallels with the Donaldson situation. And ultimately, the Braves got him back on what we all considered at the time to be a pretty team friendly deal. At that time, I believe the Rays were the only other reported kind of serious suitor. And I mean, we kind of know their history when it comes to spending money anyway. So who, you know, who knows what that offer was, but they got him back on what they really considered their terms and they felt good about it. And they knew that the DH was coming. Well, everyone, you know, knew that the DH was coming, but so he's just, he's not that player. Um, 2020 was as it was for a lot of guys, a little bit of an outlier year as far as how great he was, tracing, chasing the triple crown and whatnot. So, And then last year you get 48 games out of him. Obviously he gets hurt, and then you have the domestic violence issue. This year he, he has – now, again, Justin brought that up. He has 20 home runs. So it's not like he's, a, he's been a total zero, but it's been extremely underwhelming. Uh, you have this money – uh, what is it going to be, 33 after this year, if they hung on to him the rest of this year, I think, around there. So, yeah, you can talk about a bad contract swap, but even then, I mean, how is that going to work at this point with how he's played and with the baggage that comes with him? It just – I agree with Justin. It feels heading towards a release at some point. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be on your postseason roster. So, And you have guys coming back. You're going to potentially have to open up some spots. So it can't be ruled out that he's released before the season ends. But, I mean, bottom line, uh, I think we all agree that it's hard to see a scenario that he's on this team next year, uh, and nor should he be. Yeah, I think that's um, – if you and Gabe, you've been around Atlanta for a while now, I think one of the things that, if you're looking at this from the outside, uh, you'd, you'd love to be a fly on the wall um, – in those front office meetings uh, because how do you weight the character and the perception part of this? Uh, you have a guy who has been arrested twice in 15 months, once on, you know, in a domestic violence situation. If you're the Braves, what sort of message does it send to keep sending this guy out? If any, if any message, like maybe it doesn't send a message, maybe fans 
don't care. But if you're like a Braves fan, does this resonate with you? Like that's something that I think about. You have all over the field, you have Austin Riley, Michael Harris, Max Freed, Kyle Wright, Ozzy Albies, Matt Olson, Dansby Swanson, like Travis Darno. There are lovable guys all around the field. And this is an organization that has preached that it does things the right way. I wonder how much of the character aspect of that is factored into decision making. Because like, even if you didn't take that route with it, he is still not hitting. And you wonder like if the Braves care about the perception of this. Uh, and then there's like the other side of it. Like maybe if he starts hitting, like will people in Atlanta just forget about this and not care and say, well, you're helping the team now. But while it does feel headed toward a release, like that's one thing I wonder is like, how much do you have to weight the perception of like, like the kind of message it sends? Like, should you be employing somebody like this? Um, and not just for perception, but for the moral value of it. Now, morals are not often, you know, often are not a high priority in professional sports. We know that it's about winning games. Um, but right now, this guy isn't even helping you win games. So I, I wonder how much of that is a part of the equation. Like if they even weight that aspect of it, like should, what kind of message does it send to employ somebody like this? Yeah. And they could send a message by releasing him and saying that you know, we do not stand for this. Um, they've already, you know, obviously there was the domestic violence incident and he's still here after that. And now there's a DUI, which we, it's just so totally inexcusable. We we're all aware. So the message that you can send to your fan base, which continues to grow and you're drawing 40,000 fans a night and you, there's so many reasons for people to be proud of this organization right now. And, Quite frankly, getting rid of this guy would be another reason to be, you know, proud of them that where they take a stand and say, we just don't. And, you know, it's not like they're necessarily condoning it by having him. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot at play here. But, right. uh, yeah, I, I just I don't I don't think he should be on this roster. You're right. Uh, ultimately, whether anyone likes it or not, winning is the bottom line. Money is the bottom line. And. But he's not helping you win. And the reason why guys like Antonio Brown kept getting jobs no matter how crazy they were was they were helping teams win. And he's – Ozuna's just – he's not doing that. Uh, what we saw today, uh, those two at-bats, it was a continuation of what we've seen. But, I mean, it wasn't even close. It was it was just poor, just terrible. And he he's not – He's not going to be the difference in you winning a World Series. I mean, unless, again, you laid it out, he gets hot. But I think that with with the payroll going up, again, something that you mentioned, the money that this team can, they can afford to release him. And we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's an off-season thing, if it's a next-month thing. But um, we all have differing opinions. My opinion, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had him back at all. So it just, but there's a lot of factors at play, but bottom line, this guy's not helping them win games and it would be really the right thing for the organization to do to just move on at some point in the near future. All right, let's move on to a much better topic. Money Mike is going to be running around in center field for quite a while. Just being able to put on that Braves jersey after being that young and watching for so long and rooting for all the players that's been through this organization and had success, so... 
uh, for me to actually be in this position is kind of crazy. 21-year-old Michael Harris gets an eight-year, $72 million extension and a couple of option years by the Braves. And, Justin, you talk about players that are examples, players that are doing it the right way. The Braves have locked up one of those, and he just happens to be in their own backyard. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm always wary of saying this in the age of social media or when news flies and anything about anybody can be captured because we just don't know. But – Michael Harris is one of those guys that I think will become a role model if he isn't already for kids in Atlanta and baseball players in Atlanta. Um, a guy who does it the right way, who goes out, you know, every single day, plays his heart out, doesn't say much, you know, just loves being a brave. Like he, he just wants to play baseball and he just wants to win and he loves the big moments and by all accounts is a terrific teammate, somebody who's willing to learn, somebody who's humble. And, oh, by the way, it could be, you know, a 5 tool center fielder for a long time. So I think it's it's the best thing the Braves could have done. And it helped them, obviously, that Harris, you know, is from the Atlanta area and wanted to be here. And, you know, you look at it, you go, well, 8 for 72, you know, 8 years, 72 million before the option years. Like, that's really team friendly for a guy who could be a star in this game for a long time. Yeah, but then you look at it from the team side. The team has taken some risk because Harris has not even spent a full year in the big leagues yet. In fact, he's only spent a few months in the big leagues. So they're really taking a big bet on him. Um, so it really actually does work out for both sides. And both sides you know, are taking some risk in that because if he continues at this pace and would have waited out to free agency, like truth be, he just would have made a lot more money. But this allows him to start earning more now, whereas he would have been limited via you know, the league minimum and told get you know pre-arbitration being a pre-arb player and then in arbitration before he could even reach free agency so this is guaranteed money now he can start earning more now and will be 29 by the time this deal is over um and you know can get his next one like by all accounts will still be in the game so i think but yeah you look at it from the whole like this kid just wants to be a brave you're gonna see a lot of harris 23 you know harris 23 jerseys around truist park and really around the country because it's a national fan base for a long time because he just does it the right way. He performs at big moments. He lays his body out on the line in center field. He's always, you know, having fun. He loves the game and he loves Atlanta. Like I remember talking to somebody who, you know, his teammates with him in double A said like, there is nobody who loves Atlanta sports more than this kid. Like Hawks, Falcons, like Braves, of course. Like he loves Atlanta and he's just fun. Like he's just what the game needs. Young, energetic, athletic talented like he's everything you want you know and most importantly like humble and a great person raised well by like two great parents like he is everything you want in a cornerstone of your franchise and you could not have like modeled it better than michael harris here's alex anthopoulos yeah i told him in spring training i'm not trading you when we made the matt olson trade i don't know if you remember but it was um you know, there was, I think our club bus was obviously shocked by some of the guys that, that got moved, but uh, we were really excited about him long, long term. Um, and just the way he was playing and, you know, getting to know him a little bit more. Um, and you're asking people around the clubhouse what kind of human being he is. Obviously, the player development staff felt strongly about his character, the makeup and so on. And um, I think more importantly that, you know, everything I know about Mike, you know, he loves Atlanta, like truly loves Atlanta, whether that's wearing a Trey Young jersey, spring training. I see him walking in with a Hawks jersey, Atlanta Falcons jersey, or he's here for the World Series games. I don't even know how you got the seats. Gabe, I know it's easy for us to say $72 million is a bargain, which, of course, you know, he's set for life. And 
all of these other players, Acuna, Albies, Riley, Olsen, you know, they're all set for life. But how does this keep happening where it seems like every time Alex knocks on somebody's door, when the contract comes out, we all look around and it's like, wow, that's all it took? You know, Atlanta's home for a lot of people, and a lot of people love just being near home. And I think as Justin has probably learned being here now for, I mean, what, you moved here in what, January, February? Yeah, six, um, six months. Just how kind of what Atlanta's about. And there's a reason it's growing, and people love it here. But these guys specifically, um, Matt Olson's from here. Harris is from here. Austin Riley is from just south of Memphis. Uh, these guys are from here. You go back to Ozzy and Acuna. That was obviously life-changing. Money for those two guys, and I know that people criticize the contracts. And, yeah, I mean, they definitely left a ton of money on the table, but – it kind of set the stage for Alex to be able to do what he's been doing here. And guys want to continue to play here. You hear the rumors about Jacob DeGrom and just that level of player. If you're from Florida or Georgia, Tennessee, the Carolinas, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, where, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's Atlanta's home. And I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, obviously four hours South. And it's home to so many people. It's so appealing. The winning, obviously, they're structured to win for a long time. So there's just a lot of factors that go into it. But the, this organization, the family atmosphere it has, the camaraderie between these, it just the whole thing just adds up. It's kind of a perfect storm, and that's why they're set up for essentially what could be a decade of success. Yeah, and I think um, you heard a lot of cries around baseball, hint, most of them came from Queens, New York, uh, about investigating the Braves or Alex Anthopoulos or how, how are they still doing these deals? And it, it's like culture is such a cliche word in sports. And Anthopoulos actually does not like that word because he doesn't believe in like, you know, you come in, you lay down like blueprint, like it's a brick um, or like, a you know, whatever. He thinks you just flood the organization with good people and flood it and flood it and flood it. And then eventually becomes a good environment. And that's one of the reasons that they're able to do this is because players are comfortable committing to Atlanta for eight years. And, you know, in a couple of the last extensions, like Harris and Riley, it's like, you know, you can, sure, you can think about the money and free agency down the line if they kept playing the way they are now. But what is the cost of like your happiness? Like what's that versus, I think that should be something that probably should be talked about more because we can sit here all day and say, well, eight for 72 or like 10 for 212 or, you know, eight for a hundred of the Cunha seven for 35 with Albies. It's like, we'll like sit here and say like, Oh, their agents did such a bad job and yada, yada. Well, no, they didn't like they were just serving their clients. Like nobody's really forcing their clients to take these deals they're just like, this is life-changing money. Like, for, you know, Michael Harris, like, he hasn't even been in the big leagues for a year. Like, this is money that could help him buy a home and help him, like, you know, invest in himself in, in that way and, like, things like that. Like, he's, you know, for his future. Like, that, that is no $72 million. That's not a slouch paycheck. I mean, that's just... And I think there's so much that often gets made when you look at Twitter and social media these days or... Even like talk radio that often gets made about like, well, team friendly deal this, team friendly deal that. Like, how is, you know, Alex doing it? Or like the Braves are, you know, have to have some, you know, blackmail file on these guys. But no, like, I think it's just they're willing to take risks on guys for long contracts and like they believe in them and think they know what they have in Michael Harris or Austin Riley. And 
look like they could be totally wrong. That's where the risk comes from. And that's where some of like, you know, that's why it's lower to do it. It's cheaper to do it now. But it's like at the end of the day, they've created an environment where players feel comfortable committing to and players are in control of their futures. And like this guaranteed money now isn't such a bad thing, um, especially if they're prioritizing their happiness first. And it's like nobody can really tell them what to do, you know, but them. From a team building standpoint, uh, enough can't be said about this because you look around the league and I'm never going to tell someone to take less money in any walk of life. Of course, what people want to do with their money is their choice. But you look at like, and look, I don't know that the Angels could build around Mike Trout if he was making $10 million a year, but you look at what he's what his contract has, and then you look at what they gave Rendon, and we'll see about Otani, but these bloated contracts, you look around the league, you saw what happened with Arizona when they paid Zach Greinke. That was obviously a smaller payroll, but you look around, and we see examples time and time again of these 30-plus million dollar salaries and how they're hurting these teams and hurting how they can build, and they're willing to commit. And the Braves have managed to get through, and they've signed so many of these guys without having to sign that type of deal. Yeah, and look, and look, just one quick thing to add before Jay chops off my head for time. But, uh, like, you look at Austin Riley like, and Michael Harris. Like, Gabe, you covered that. Like, what you know about them. Those aren't guys who are flashy. Like, they're not guys who need $400 million. <laughs> like, those are not, like, the flashiest guys. And I think some of it's the makeup of the guys. Like, that's a lot of money for them. And they're, they're fine with that. Like, they're not, you know, going to be the guys blowing all this money. So, I just think it's, there's so many factors there. But, yeah, it, this is going to allow the Braves to certainly be, as Mike Soroka said, what they want to be, like the team of the decade. Obvious follow-up now is what about Dansby? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's interest on both sides there. The Braves, I don't think, have an appetite to pay Trey Turner upwards of $300 million or whatever it might take to, you know, gain his services. But... You know, Dan, so Dansby is in that way like a cheaper option. But look, like this guy is, he's just a winner. And that's such a cliche in sports, but that's what you hear about him from everybody you talk to. Like he's a winner, he's a clutch performer. No matter if he's hitting or if he's not, like the defense is always going to be there. He's a smart base runner, he's a leader. Like I think you look at all those intangible things and you say that you should bring this guy back. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they get something done. We told you guys it was going to be a stuffed show. We're not done yet. But first, we do want to remind you that if you're not subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, we do have a special offer. And your subscriptions are what allow us to do this podcast, and it funnels our work, and it allows Justin to go to Pittsburgh. It allows Gabe to go to Rome to check out Mike Soroka, which we'll talk touch on in a second. But we do have a special offer. If you want to join our community here, we call it our AJC Season Pass. and It's half off our regular subscription offer. So you get unlimited digital access to the AJC for just $39.99 for the next eight months. That's $125 a week, half off the regular offer. So if you want to join the community, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. So you always know what's really going on. Now, to Mike Soroka's return to the mound for the first time in a couple of years. This is what he said after his outing on Tuesday in Rome. Basically wound it down to basically why we thought I was kept getting hurt. Um, so a lot of those changes are hopefully for health. Uh, and then I'm starting to see that there's there's some performance that are coming behind it. Uh, the nice part is that the sinker is honestly the best it's ever been. So that's that's a, that's a good one. Four innings, one hit, eight Ks in single A. Didn't go quite so good on Sunday. Two earned runs and three in the third innings on six hits. But uh, Gabe, you were there for the first one. What'd you think? 
I was really impressed. Uh, you know, he was actually, he exceeded my expectations. Uh, and mine were, to be honest, mine were pretty low. Uh, the sinker was fantastic. He said afterwards it was the best it's ever been. And look, he's going up against, you know, Greensboro grasshoppers, A-ball hitters. <laughs> so we're not, you know, he's not exactly up there facing Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts. But, uh, no, I mean, there was reason to be encouraged. You know, he seemed to have a really good grasp on everything as far as time. Like, he's not going to rush anything trying to get back. He's just trying to learn himself. He's trying to learn the you know how to pitch on on his repaired Achilles he's had some a lot of mechanical tweaks with health in mind so it's just about and the mental he said even he admitted like the mental aspect of just being back out there and you know showing myself I can still do this because you know you look around the game and you see how great some of these pitchers are how and you know how these great young hitters and you're going can I still do it because it's been so long since he's actually pitched so now I I came out I, I thought it was extremely encouraging. Uh, as usual, he was a delight to talk to. Uh, we were just talking about the character of these, all these guys that the Braves are building around. Uh, we can't forget Soroka. He's been gone, but just a wonderful human being. Um, really just a delight to talk to. He's awesome. Uh, everybody's rooting for him to get back out there. And and he admitted, you know, when he had the second Achilles tear, he is this it? And I think that we all had those kind of thoughts. So for him to be back out there and going again, uh, it was great to see uh, whether it's this year, spring training, in whatever capacity. Uh, if he may, When he makes it back on, the, on a major league mound, assuming that he does, uh, that's going to be a really cool moment. That's going to be an emotional moment for a lot of people. As far as that timetable in his head. I, w- I will pitch there whenever, whenever we're ready. I mean, I getting out there – Throwing the ball over the plate, attacking. I felt like I could have got outs in the big leagues tonight. So that's where it's, you know, there are still some things we need to kind of iron out. Like I talked about that forcing command that'll come. Um, but, yeah, whenever whenever we're ready, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Soroka's 30-day rehab assignment will run out before the season does. But, Justin, is there any expectation we'll see him in Atlanta this year? I mean, I don't think – I think, like Gabe, I hold pretty low expectations that he's going to make meaningful contributions. But Jake Odorizzi's struggles, I think, open the door a little bit. Um, or when you look at – you know, he's been a starter for his entire career, and that's what the Braves always saw for him when he returned. But at this point, would they put him in, like, a Jackson Stevens-type role? Like, if, you know, they – were to DFA Stevens or something like that, would they pitch him out of the bullpen, something like that? Or would they piggyback him with, like, an Odorizzi or, like, even, like, a Spencer Strider or something like that and, like, chunk the game that way? Like, would they do that or with, like, a Charlie Moore? Whatever whatever it may be, whoever they want, like, could they do that, you know, use him as a length guy? Like, I have pretty low expectations that he'll make meaningful contributions, but I will say with a guy who's put that much into it and worked that hard and stayed that positive, like... I do think he can do it, you know, at some level. Like, will he be, like, one of the game's best pitchers? Like, we just don't know. Like, nobody can answer that question. The Braves can't answer that question. But this year, I think they're if they want to get him out there, there's some room for him to, to perhaps help this team. But what they also could do is they could leave him in AAA, and they could just keep building him up and, you know, getting him a little more confidence, uh, 
for next year and kind of see what they have with him and just keep building him up as a starter so he gets that springboard into the offseason and then into spring training. Um, but I think he could certainly help them, like as a length guy or you know, out of the bullpen or even you know in the rotation if they felt good about that or as an opener or just put him you know before somebody like Strider or even before, whatever it might be. Like there are ways to do it where I think he could contribute, but my expectations are low just because you know in fairness to him. All right, quick look at what's up next, and Jake Odorizzi is up next. He'll get the, the lowly Pirates on Monday. Braves will be in Pittsburgh for three, and then it's at St. Louis for three. So, Justin, they get another chance at uh, one of the best teams in the National League in St. Louis. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Um, the Braves' schedule isn't ridiculously tough the rest of the way. We mentioned that this was their toughest homestand on paper. Um, but that St. Louis series, the Cardinals are a good team. Uh, another team, you know, they're battling for a wild card spot. Um, and St. Louis is always one of those places that is a fun atmosphere. So it's, it's going to be a nice series to see, you know, the Goldschmidt's and the Arenados of the world versus uh, these Braves. Um, and it was, you know, it was a good series when they came to Shores Park. So it, it should be fun. Um, and, you know, like Gabe said, you'd think they'd take business against the Pirates before that. But. All right, now time for an abbreviated Ask Justin segment. And Gabe, if you want to chime in, you can. Uh, we'll take your questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. And uh, most of the questions, obviously, were about Marcelo Zuna, which we think we've covered uh, most of them. But here's a couple of others from at center wing. Hey, Justin, with Ozzy coming off a foot injury, do you see them playing him as the DH or moving Grissom to a bench role? Yeah, I think, I think honestly, it would be Grissom as the DH. Uh, that's, like, perfect for him. Coming up, Grissom was seen, you know, when he was drafted and in the minors was seen as a guy who was in a, kind of could be an above-average defender, perhaps. But, you know, his strength was his bat-to-ball skills, his hitting – the power that he, you know, that had come on in 2022. Uh, so that's a per- I think the DH is perfect for him. Um, he can still bring energy that way, still be around, and have Ozzy play second base. From Wolfus, do you think allowing Dansby to walk, putting Grissom at short, and using that money on a starting pitcher is a smart move? It depends. I mean, if you wanted to use it on a top-level starting pitcher, like, yeah, a Jacob deGrom type is going to change the complexion of the Braves. But I think for what it's worth – Dansby at shortstop is probably this team's best option. I think right now you keep the core together. Uh, he's a major leader in that clubhouse, beloved in the city, um, re- kind of connects with every sort of fan the Braves have. Uh, and I think he works best in that core. He's the best option you're going to get with the budget you have uh, by far. There's probably should be interest on both sides. Um, so I think it's probably better to go with Dansby, keep the core, and try to upgrade your starting pitching You know, in some way else. It's worth mentioning we're not even sure that Vaughn is going to be a shortstop long-term anyway, right? So that kind of goes – I know a lot of people are just kind of throwing it out there like he could be just a natural replacement. But, I mean, you keep Dansby and you have Grissom you know, under team control for a long time, you are in really good shape depth-wise too. And so there's – you know, that's part of that equation as well because, again, like we, we can't just really assume at this point that Grissom's going to be a shortstop. And even when he was uh, – when the Braves scouted him from their, what their area scout wrote up um, and then above. Like, they knew at 6'3 in his frame, like, and with maybe some of the range limits for a shortstop, like, that he probably, you know, could move off shortstop at some point, whether it was going to be third base or second base. Who knew? But I think that was a factor, so. All right, finally from Taylor Henson. There's seven wonders of the world. If you could pick an eighth, what would it be? Ooh, uh... Seven wonders of the world. If I can pick an eighth, probably, um, probably the San Diego Bay. 
because I think like you have the park, you have the water, you've got like sunshine. I think that would probably be like heaven. So heaven should be the eighth wonder of the world. I think that would be pretty close. Gabe, Gabe, what do you, what do you, what do you have, Gabe? I want to see how. That was an adorable answer about your hometown, by the way. Yeah, that's a yeah nice uh, nice shout out there to your home, man. (laughs) Yeah, so wearing six one nine on the chest. Peach tree, what six? Dude, peach tree isn't your heaven. <laughs> Buckhead's not your heaven. Uh, well, actually, actually, you know, uh, well, no free ads, but a, a specific breakfast place on peach tree could could be a close second. Nice. Nah, uh, I don't know. My eighth wonder is probably like Victoria Justice. Don't tell my girlfriend I said that on here. <laughs> Jeez, uh, this is wow. Well, this, this is still I, a baseball podcast, say, right? I, I was just gonna say yeah, ice cream yeah, in the press like box in my corner of the world. So <laughs> that that uh, I wonder if she'll be on the list of replacements if Dansby Swanson walks. Who knows? Uh, who can say? <laughs> Alex, you never know what he's thinking. All right, let's move on to winners of the week. Gabe, uh, who may be sleeping uh, in the doghouse tonight. <laughs> what's, what's your? We'll let you start here as our guest of honor. Uh, Mike Soroka has to be the winner. Uh, he's back on the mound. You know, I just, we just kind of talked about it, but you know. Huge congratulations to him. He's been working hard, and it's going to be one hell of a story if he makes it back. And everybody's rooting for him. There's, there's seriously, there's not a better human being in baseball. And if he comes back and he's able to, I mean, him coming back at all is incredible. But if he's able to actually contribute again, if that's, you know, next month or if that's in spring training, I mean, the fact that he should hopefully have a normal off season and be able to head into spring and just kind of build himself up and maybe. Things are going to be a little more normal for him. I mean, congrats to him for getting back out there. Justin? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, another obvious one, Michael Harris. Uh, when I was 21 years old, I wasn't, you know, getting arrested or into actual trouble, but I'm sure there were plenty of college hijinks, and I was not making $72 million over eight years. Uh, I was still looking toward the first year of my career. So he's a clear winner of the week. You talk about, like, you could not – write a better story than the hometown kid who grew up a Braves fan, grew up idolizing all those great players from those great Braves teams, went to the games, went to the World Series, went to the World Series parade and was geeked out to see the guys he would be playing with a year later and is in line for Rookie of the Year and signed that contract. Um, that's, That's one heck of a story and you hope it continues to go so well for him. And mine is the punctuation to a very important AJC Braves report investigation. Now, on one of the previous editions of the Braves Report podcast, Justin, in the Ask Justin segment, was asked if you'd ever had a peach milkshake. Neither one of us have. Well, we're here with the editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Kevin Riley, who wanted us to settle this question uh, with his help. Now, we don't have any free ads on the podcast, uh, Kevin, but how has the peach milkshake experience uh, been now that we have done it? Well, first of all, let me just say I want to thank you two guys for the for the work on the podcast and for all the folks who subscribe and listen. That that's really why I'm here. So, I mean, I I, I, uh, I am buying you guys lunch at maybe not the most expensive place in town, um, but I wanted to get this peach milkshake thing settled, and I'd never had one either. So I have to tell you, I came as I confessed very skeptically to the milkshake, but I like it. I like it. I might. I might. This might be bad. I might. I might start having a lot of these things, and that my doctor won't like that. Uh-oh. Justin, Uh-oh. not a native to the peach state, but 
Yeah, never go. Never been a big fan of peaches, but this is the best form of peach I've ever had. I think it's good. I think it tastes like a milkshake, so you still get the vanilla in there. You get your whipped cream, your cherry. I'm, dare I say, I'm a fan. I, I, I can see what the fuss is about, so we appreciate the person who asked us that question many months ago uh, in the Ask Justin segment. So we now have your answer on the peach milkshake. Now back to the regularly scheduled portion of the show. So when we say we're going to do something, we deliver. And it took us a while, but we now have the answer to your question. Whoever asked that many months ago? That was that was pretty good. I wish I could. I, I was just thinking I want to run over and get one of those, but it's Sunday. Congratulations to the Braves Youth Baseball and Youth Softball Coaches of the Week. Stephen Scott coaches baseball from Seminole County Recreation in Donaldsville, Georgia. And Garrett Roberts coaches softball for the Lady Jackets and Calhoun All-Stars in Calhoun. Check out this week's nominees and cast your votes at AJC.com slash Braves Coach of the Week, which is brought to you by the Atlanta Braves and your local Kroger store. So that's the way we will wrap it up here. Gabe, glad to have you back. And Justin, uh, have fun there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, sure thanks. That was a packed show guys but thanks everybody for listening and uh we'll catch you back next sunday and if if you're lucky gabe we got to shuffle gabe into a few more of these gabe also had his dog attending on this uh, recording of the what's your dog's name gabe yeah yeah maestro he hopped on for a little bit he finally <laughs> settled down and now he's just chilling so i appreciate <laughs> right. him letting me do this podcast we'll let maestro go to bed and we'll ask you guys to please rate review follow share and subscribe that is what allows us to grow this show so tell us what we're doing right and tell us how we can improve if you don't like what you're hearing new shows come out every monday so we'll see you next week on the braves report from the atlanta journal constitution when you're looking for leading cardiac treatment look to northside hospital heart institute We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.